Welcome to the Executive Function Podcast, where we make the invisible keys to success easy for you to teach your child. We'll go beyond theory to proven action, helping you create peace and independence at home and at school. With your host, educational author, award-winning teacher, and celebrated learning coach, Sarah Kesti. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Executive Function Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Kesti, and I'm really excited to share today's information. So I was inspired by a parent's shock and surprise because I realized that what she was telling me about was a real pattern. So she was sharing with me that her child's teacher wrote to her in an email that her child doesn't care about school. And this really didn't sit well with her. So the teacher explained that the child sits without asking for help and doesn't begin any work on her own. And the teacher stressed at the end of the email that the child needed to care more and take more initiative or else she wouldn't do well in life. This teacher is describing a kid who spends three to four or more hours a night on homework, has a tutor on the weekends, and has at least three mornings where her anxiety over school gives her an incredible stomach ache. I don't think it's possible for this kid to care more, at least not in a healthy way. The effort is there. The care is there. So where's the breakdown? Today we are talking about the art and science of initiating work, literally just getting started. The amount of brain processes that are involved in taking any first step will astound you. And luckily, we can strategize to support any of them. So how many times have you run into this situation? You've explained a home or school task in detail and asked your child how well they understand. Your child has repeated back to you what they are going to do and go. Okay, now... Why aren't you starting? You told me what the task was, so do it. Today, I want to teach you that initiating a task is more than a regular challenge for students with executive function deficits. It involves holding the task in working memory, being able to understand the demands of the task, being able to chunk the task into doable pieces, and more, all while trying to dial up the focus juice the brain needs to get moving. And of course, we can strategize it, but it's going to take some time and creativity. I think it's helpful to get a full picture of what initiating and sustaining work means for our brains with and without executive function challenges. A student with strong executive function will be able to naturally just chunk an assignment into smaller doable bits. A kid with weak executive function skills may be so overwhelmed with the task that he becomes blind to the steps. The kid with strong executive function skills will use a memory strategy to keep the steps in mind, but a kid without these skills may forget all but a few steps, leading to their asking for constant help or trying to blend in quietly doing nothing. A kid with strong executive function skills will make a mental movie of themselves doing the work, maybe including gathering what she needs and even turning in the assignment. A kid with weak executive function skills, on the other hand, will have no or a very basic mental movie. 
During the process of completing the task, a kid with strong executive function will self-monitor, alerting herself when she becomes distracted or takes too much time on any one part, while a kid with weak executive function may lose herself in one detail of the task, unable to recognize in the moment that her attention has roamed. I've only just scratched the surface of the mental taxation of starting a task. And here's where we need to really check in with ourselves as adults. From the outside, in these situations, we see two very different children. One who is on task, who we would say is compliant, and we may even assume that that kid cares about their work because they're doing their work. And then we also see a child who seems to be avoiding work. Maybe we would accuse them of being lazy or not caring or not trying. But last time I checked, none of us have a triometer. So please don't accuse a kid of not trying or not caring. You just don't know what's holding them back. And you could, be, you could end up penalizing them and scrutinizing them for just a brain difference. So be super careful. Think Whatever you want, absolutely. You can think lazy, you can think any of those things, but don't say them. It's just not effective. Ooh, I got a little soapboxy, sorry. All right. So at first glance, it would be really easy to be frustrated with the kid not working because, hi, hey there, I've said it like 37 times. Do you see how naturally that sass came to me? Because that voice runs in my head all the time. Like, are you kidding me but check it out yeah they are not kidding you they are frustrated they are stuck and it's our job to play detective figure out what is sticking them and then unstick them with some strategies this is slow work it is very tempting to just yell and yelling can bring some compliance we'll talk about that in a second but really that's not solving anything that's just making yourself feel better There's no gift of long-term change available to the kid if we just yell and get them to comply. There might not even be learning. We might actually be pressuring them into cheating or doing really low-level fill-in-the-blank kind of work just to get through it. So we have to think about what what our end game is, what we really want for our kids. And usually we really want success. And success is messy. And sometimes it doesn't look like compliance right away. Sometimes it looks like a struggle. And that's okay. Will the moms judge you at Target? Yeah, probably. (laughs) Will the other teachers judge you and say that you're too nice or supportive? Um, Totally. Come join my camp. It happens all the time. Because you don't yell. Because you teach skills. Instead, you seek to understand. But it is so valuable And heck, I'm willing to bet that's why you listen to this podcast. Woo! I didn't realize I had a sermon in me today. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry. Okay, so when you feel frustrated with a child who appears to not care or seems to not try, you are 100 allowed to express the frustration in your head. You can actually say as many potty words as you want in your mind. Take a deep breath. And be better because you know better. Prompting, nagging, and threatening a kid who can't get started won't help much. Sure, you may create enough anxiety that she grabs a pencil and does her best fake out. But that's only because you've increased the stress hormones in her brain that she can use as focus juice. 
but this doesn't solve anything. Next time a long task is required, you'll be doing the same yell and comply dance. A more empowering, strategy-rich, effective way is to patch the holes in her brain highways. Talk with her about her understanding of the job and its requirements. And these jobs can be home jobs like laundry or dishes, or they can be school jobs like writing a paragraph. So you can ask questions like, what do you see yourself doing? And that's a really good prompt to uncover if she can even make the mental movie to rehearse it. Now, if you find that she's like, I don't know, I can't see anything, we'll talk about mental movie interventions in a future episode, but... Maybe you can use photos to support her steps. We'll also talk that about that in a strategy. But I guess what I'm saying is once you uncover what's getting in the way, let's strategize the struggle. So you ask her, what do you see yourself doing? And then you can ask more questions to discover what the biggest holdup could be. Is she avoiding because it's overwhelming? Or is she distracted by other things when she's trying to get started? Does she forget the steps? Or maybe she's unclear on what level of satisfactory is required. Like what level of perfection gets you through. Because sometimes the brain that doesn't have a lot of control over its focus and attention will hyper focus on one component and its perfection to the deficit of all the other components. So you might get a report with a really, really fancy cover and great graphics and very skimpy content because all of the effort went into the illustration. And unfortunately, because we value different components of assignments differently, that might not be enough credit to pass. So that's a hack the system backwards kind of deal that we will talk about. Man, I'm so glad I have this podcast. We have so many ideas to share. The point is, perfection may be getting in her way. It may not be that she doesn't care. It may be that she cares a lot and is so overwhelmed with that push to be better and do better and please people that she gets too stuck. Once you have an idea of the biggest issue that's in the way, and by the way, there could be many issues, but just focus on one at a time. Then you can begin to strategize the struggle. Here are some ideas, not an exhaustive list, but kind of a top few ideas. I forgot to count them. That's why I said few. (laughs) A top few ideas to get your child unstuck when he or she is faced with beginning a task. Ready? Number one, set the mood. So upbeat music and a game of beat the timer can sometimes be enough to get the focus juice boosted in our brains. If the task requires more quiet focus, then reducing distractions ahead of time is a better approach. Like, I can't tell you how many times I recommend to parents, turn the TV off in the other room because your child's brain is fighting attending to the TV when he's supposed to be doing math or something. And let me tell you, the focus juice that you get from TV and its high level of stimulation is way more effective to draw your attention than the quadratic equation. Sorry, math teachers. It's just straight true. So if you're setting up your child to battle having to manage his attention more because it's just extra in the environment you can probably see how that would be difficult to get started and sustain attention so 
really think about the space when you set the mood so that all impediments or most impediments are addressed ahead of time. So you make it upbeat with fast music and beat the timer if it's something like dishes where you just want to get it done or low beat, <laughs> so to speak, um, and really relaxed, quiet, kind of a focused environment if you are um, doing a quiet task. So either way, it's matching the mood with the task, okay? Also, any of these strategies that you pick, be sure that you use Think Aloud and involve your child in the process. Don't just implement something from the outside, but encourage your child to say, you know, what type of music do you think would help get us moving quickly? I mean, you can kind of use fishing answers where you know the answer, fishing questions, sorry, where you know the answer that you're going to request from your kid. That's fine, but make sure that you're engaging them and having them at least think that they're coming up with a lot of these solutions because that's going to help it be something that they internalize and actually use without you around. <laughs> like when we send their butts to college. All right. So first strategy was set the mood, kind of influence the energy level just with um, music and activity level. The second strategy to help when your child is stuck on task initiation, so starting something, is to chunk the task. Okay? So... Breaking down a task into small chunks is almost automatic when your executive function game is strong. Seeing someone who can't do it can be really hard for us to understand from the outside. But teaching your child to chunk tasks can be huge for his future. You won't be able to talk this one through just once and have it just stick. Instead, plan to support by asking questions like, which parts of this job are similar? Are there any parts that you might need help on? Any parts that are quick and easy? Reflecting on the task components and characteristics will allow your child to find patterns within the task. This can be an effective way to chunk. So you chunk by pattern. I'm going to do all the parts of the task that I need help on when I have help available. And then maybe all the quick and easy stuff when I know my energy level is going to be lower. That's an example of chunking the task. Or if it's a sequential task like doing laundry, you can help your child identify and label each chunk of activities like sort, wash, dry, and put away. And really, how many of us sort, wash, dry, and leave it on the floor in the basket? Just saying. <laughs> so maybe I could even use some support in that last chunk. These four main chunks can then be broken down and supported further with the strategies I'm going to talk about right now. No, no, no. All right, strategy three, dole out bits. If the task is too daunting, it is okay to lead the discussion about breaking the task into smaller bits. Just be sure to include your child when you do so. So with the laundry example, you would demonstrate and think aloud as you identified the four main chunks. So you might say, hmm, I see myself taking all the laundry from the floors in the bathroom and then making piles. Hmm, what could I call that? Oh, sorting. Okay, so step one is sorting. And then, and I know it sounds cheesy, but 
Honestly, that's the type of thinking that we need to model because we take it for granted that it's in our brains and it's just not in every brain. Our brains all have unique gifts and abilities and unfortunately the way that the world's set up right now, the world really demands high levels of executive function. So I know it's cheesy. You're going to get some eye rolls. Hey, I swear my second paycheck comes in the form of eye rolls. I teach middle schoolers. It happens. But please be willing to be vulnerable like that and talk about it. And you don't have to be as cheesy as I am, obviously. I'm sort of patented cheesy, but you get the idea. From there, you can dole out one chunk of a task at a time. So you've identified the chunks with your child, mostly in front of your child through Think Aloud. And then you can give them a chunk as an assignment one bit at a time. After that... Plan to do a little bit of feedback after the completion of the first chunk and a quick what went right kind of question can help your kid reflect on the positives. Because remember in episode nine, we learned about connecting choices with their results, with their positive consequences. So it's a great opportunity to use the skill that you learned last week. After a chunk and reflection, you can dole out a new chunk or piece of the task. Is this clunky with lots of starts and stops? Yes. You're going to feel like, oh my goodness, I am baby spooning this sort of task. But remember how you learned to ride a bike or make a recipe? You learned in bits doled out to you. It's the same here. And just remember that our brains with executive function deficits don't automatically do this. So it's such a gift to demonstrate and have your child interact with chunks of assignments or tasks. All right, here's another strategy. It's one of my absolute favorites. Be a body double. And again, we'll talk about this in depth in a future episode. But the main idea is that there's magic in working alongside someone. If your child needs to work quietly on homework, just sit at the table and quietly work on your own task next to him. You don't even necessarily need to help or interact much. Just being near him, doing a parallel activity, can support his focus and initiation. I know this seems so simple that it would never work, but it does. I use it myself when I have an article or a podcast, but a bad case of squirmy avoidance. (laughs) My husband reading or working next to me is enough to get me to focus in and get moving. Another strategy is to teach memory strategies. So if when you're talking to your child about, well, what's going on? Tell me about the task or tell me what's um, possibly holding you back with, with getting started you might uncover that it's hard for them to remember a lot of directions at once. And I know this is worthy of an entire future set of episodes with memory strategies, but a quick one would be to just use a sticky note. Have your child write down the main actions that they see in their mental movie so that they can reference it back when they're actually doing the task or if they get distracted. So it's a good anchor for their brains to come back to if they can just quickly jot the three to five steps so that they don't have to tax their working memory to hold that. Because human brains hold about three to five things in working memory. So we have to have either a plan to hook new learning into our brains so that it can stay for longer or externalize our memory by placing it on paper or in our phones or something like that. 
One last idea for supporting task initiation is to illustrate repeated processes. So if it's a repeated task like dishes or the math homework routine, you can use illustrations or photos of your child doing each step as prompts. So your child can see themselves in the illustrations or photos doing the job step by step as a visual prompt. You could even laminate the steps or the pictures of the steps so your child can mark off after each step's completion with an erasable marker. Grown-ups, I feel like I've probably saturated your brains for the day. I tell you, this executive function stuff runs deep, huh? Let's get that kid over here for this week's pep talk. Hey kid, what's up? I have to tell you all about a kid I know because I bet you can relate. This kid tries so hard at school. She listens to directions. She spends lots of time on homework. She even has a tutor on Saturdays. But her teacher just complained that she doesn't care enough about school. Can you believe that? It turns out that the kid has such a hard time getting started even right after listening to directions that the teacher thinks she's not trying. It's a really tough situation, and I bet you've been in something similar. How many times have you heard the directions, thought you understood, then had a really tricky time getting started? Today I taught your grown-ups some tricks to help you get started when you feel stuck. The strategies you will try will depend on what's most tricky for you. If you tend to forget directions, then you may work on some memory strategies. Or, if you have a hard time breaking a job into smaller bits, then your grown-up might help you learn to chunk your work. Or, if you just need some clues to use to stay on track, they've got an idea for that too. It really doesn't matter which strategy you try. What matters is that you recognize two big things. First, getting started on anything can be really hard. And second, there is always a way to strategize the struggle. You've got a big team that loves you and sees how hard you are trying. I'm on that team for you too. All my love and I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Executive Function Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to sarahkesty.com where you'll find more resources and chances to connect with others. And please remember to like and review the show wherever you listen to this podcast. We're eager to transform the lives of even more families. 